So earlier in the service, I shared with you um, a little bit about our financial situation. And one of the beautiful things about reading the lectionary is that the Spirit lines up often exactly what we need to hear. It's not a hidden agenda on our part, but it's God's Spirit lining things up as we need them. And so I, I was as surprised as you probably will be to find there's so much richness in this passage that we read from 2 Kings, just three verses that Clay read for us earlier. So 2 Kings, if you do want to open it up, it's back on page 293 in those Bibles, 2 Kings 4, 42. And I'm going to reread that for us. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this small amount before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. He said it before them, they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. So these three short verses, which are precedent for these miracles that Jesus was doing in the New Testament that we just read about in John 6, they are an invitation to us. They're rich with invitation, calling us to be a community of God, a community gathered in the name of Jesus. And I think that there are three qualities that must define us as a church if we are to call ourselves a Christian community, a people gathered in the name of God. So the first one that Elisha, that Elisha demonstrates to us that this man from Baal Shalisha demonstrates is stewardship. So this man, he's unnamed, he comes from this faraway country, Baal Shalisha. He comes to the prophet. Elisha was new as the prophet. He had just taken over from, for Elijah. So he was new in the area, and he was demonstrating God's power again and again and again, trusting God's word to be true. And he had heard from God, give this to the people and they will eat. And this unnamed man came out of service to God, out of obedience to God. It wasn't necessarily any particular time in the year of celebration when they were to bring food to the temple or to bring food to a certain prophet. He just said, God said, go, and this man went. Now, I don't know about you, but we are growing a garden, which you can all see um, when you leave today. And I don't think there's anything quite as rewarding as that first tomato that you pull off the, the vine and stick in your mouth. And watching your daughter eat it is even more exciting when she loves it. Or that green bean that you pluck off. It is that first fruit is such a reward. And this man, this unnamed man, was obedient to bring the best of the best, the very first fruits he picked to Elisha. Stephen Edmondson, one of the commentators that I read from this week, it said he offers not only his best to God's people, but the initial product of the labor. And then hear this, trusting that there will be more with which he can feed and support his family. So when we practice this act of stewardship, like this man from Baal Shalisha, what we're doing is demonstrating faith in God, 
faith in God's provision, and we're expressing thanksgiving for what God has given us. It's two things. Every time we, we step forward in an act of stewardship, we say, God, I trust you, and God, I thank you. And, and that leads us to the second mark of a Christian community, which is hospitality. Because this one man's discipline of bringing in faith and thanksgiving, bringing his gifts to the community, it, it, it took a gathering of 100 people from being a random mix of people to being a community. They weren't just sitting there in, in close proximity to one another. They were gathered around, maybe not a literal, but a theoretical table as they ate together, as they broke this first fruit meal together. Practicing hospitality, it simply is this. It's noticing the needs and seeking to meet them. Responding to God's prompting. Elisha showed hospitality in the way that he said, let's feed these people who are gathered here. And again, Stephen Edmondson says, hospitality, the act of caring for one another out of our abundance or out of our pittance, our our little amount. It's the life force that creates community. So this man from Baal Shalisha and his 20 loaves, or that young boy from John 6 whose five loaves and two fish fed thousands, those are beautiful examples of stewardship and hospitality. They gave what they had, even though it wasn't enough. On paper, 100, lo- uh, 100 people can't eat off of 20 loaves of bread. A 5,000 people definitely can't eat off of five loaves of bread. On paper, it doesn't make sense. But God did the rest because they were obedient in stewardship and their hospitality. And I think that's where this third mark of Christian community shows up. It's an expectation of abundance. When we practice stewardship and hospitality, we begin to have an expectation of God's abundant provision for us. As Paul wrote in what, what Joe just read in Ephesians 3, God accomplishes abundantly more than we ask or imagine. So, of course, this all sounds very good and very spiritual, but it's very hard. It could be even painful because discipline of stewardship or discipline of hospitality is a word that implies hard work in and of itself. Even just learning what it means to be a steward. It stretches our minds and imaginations. What does stewardship look like for me? For the amount of money that I have, the amount of time that I have, the possessions in my home. How would God provide for my needs if I'm already providing, if I'm providing for everyone else? How are my needs covered? And as we step into the actual practice, we go from imagining and learning about what stewardship is to actually doing it, we become transformed. We get to know firsthand what it's like to be a person of faith, a person who trusts God's goodness and then experiences his extravagant provision. I mean, it's really extravagant. And then that hospitality, of course, it's not just the image on the cover of Martha Stewart, a real simple magazine, as beautiful as those tablescapes may be. But hospitality requires trust in God. If we're always focused on our needs and worried about how we're going to make ends meet, we will not notice the needs around us. And we're especially 
not going to go out of our way to notice the needs of the people whom we'd rather ignore or whom our society rejects. Because I think the root of our struggle, because we all have the struggle with stewardship and hospitality. I mean, it begins as young as a two-year-old who says, mine. (laughs) It's a favorite word. Mine. That's mine. That's mine. This whole playground is mine. No, it's not. (laughs) It is ours. And we never lose that, that gut instinct that says, mine. Unless we let God transform us. So the root of our struggle, the thing keeping us from experiencing God's abundance is our mentality of scarcity. Scarcity. It defines the way many of us live and even the way our church operates at times. Money is in short supply. We're $5,000 behind. We don't know where that money is going to come from. And you're telling me that God is asking us to give more and more to outsiders when we can't even take care of ourselves? Are you kidding me? Our church, yes, may have some legitimate scarcity. You too might be experiencing real scarcity in your budgets. Common sense would tell us this is ludicrous to think that giving more to missionaries and ministries when our electric bill hasn't been paid is a good idea. Common sense would tell us that the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings or Jesus himself in John 6, that they were crazy, that putting so little food before a crowd would do more harm than good. I mean, riots could have broken out. There's no way this ends well, right? But in God's abundance, it shows up most clearly in these moments of scarcity when we don't know where it's going to come from. I think that our mindset of scarcity is mocking God's power and God's goodness. And it doesn't do anything but sever ties of community. Scarcity forces us to think about ourselves, to hoard what we have, for fear of it not being enough. And God forbid we become like them. And them, of course, being the lowest in society, the people we judge or ignore altogether, the people who need to pick themselves up from their bootstraps and work hard, like I have. The people who we say, God helps those who help themselves. We need to knock it off. There is nothing good that comes out of this spirit of judgmentalness and selfishness. This is the opposite of community. God calls us to community. To not hoard what we have and definitely not to judge those who have little. Samuel Wells, he calls our attitudes of scarcity the sin of lack of imagination. The sin of lack of imagination. This is the sin of seeing only scarcity instead of God's abundance, mocking God's power. Instead of automatically, miraculously imagining God could take these five loaves and imagine he could feed all 5,000 people here, our minds go to, Jesus, you're crazy. (laughs) That is never going to happen. 
Instead of imagining how God could provide for us as a church, I mean, what if we, instead of just giving away 10% of our church's budget, we give away 30% or 50%. We seal tight our wallets. We turn off our Apple Pay. (laughs) And we say, there is no way. Look at our history of church finances. Something's got to change, but it's not me. Friends, this is hard. But I want to invite you to do at least this with me. Use, start exercising the imagination, your spiritual imagination. What could God do if? And pray that way. Pray the crazy prayer. Because God answers crazy prayers. Pray and ask God for a vivid picture that you can't get out of your mind of what our church and our mission would look like if we stopped living in a perpetual state of scarcity and instead stepped into believing God's abundant power. Let's take some crazy risks together and give extravagantly, exercising faith and thanksgiving and expect the Lord to do more than we could ask or imagine. And Douglas King sums it up like this. If we bring our first fruits before the Lord, the best of the best, if we recognize the needs of the people and keep a close watch on God's movement in our midst, God's abundant blessing might just burst in upon us, bringing more before us than we ever previously imagined possible. And one place where there's always abundance is the table. There's always grace and mercy and peace, the peace of Christ in abundance at this table. So we're going to turn now to Holy Communion.